Welcome to Everything Co-op, bringing you information on how cooperatives can help improve your quality of life. This show is being sponsored by the National Co-op Bank, NCB. The NCB is dedicated to strengthening communities nationwide for the delivery of banking and financial services for the nation's cooperatives, their members, and other socially responsible organizations. For more information on the power of community ownership, visit ncb.coop. That's ncb.coop. Now stay tuned for your host, Vernon Oaks. Good morning, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks. Welcome to Everything Co-op this Thursday morning. This morning, we have Damien Goodman and Nikki Oku. They are in Los Angeles, and we're going to be talking about a project that they have going on. It's a relatively small project. It's 40 acres, a mall, and a billion dollars. Billion. That's a B, B, B. The largest project I've ever talked about or even know anything about. Uh, so we're going to talk about this one today. Good morning, Nikki and Damien. Good morning. Good morning. So, um, listen, we've been in this show now seven and a half years. I've never talked about a project this big. And seven and a half years ago, a gentleman from Senegal named Papa Sin, he said that co-ops solve community problems. If there's no community problems, then there's no need for a co-op. So the question I have for you, Nikki, could you answer this one for me? What kinds of community problems are you trying to solve with this project? Well, I think the one that immediately comes to mind that probably mobilized the community the most is housing affordability. You know, the proposed developers of the mall were going to build luxury apartments, and it was going to be completely unaffordable to us and gentrify us out of our neighborhood. But underlying to that, I think for decades, you know, the, the site has been underdeveloped and we have had ongoing issues with, you know, not finding good work in, in the neighborhood, not being able to support our families, not having access to good and healthy foods and green spaces. Um, so there's the very first one that brought everybody out, you know, was, was definitely about housing affordability, but we also want to build community wealth and we want to control our jobs and own our local businesses. Okay, so you've got a, a housing, green spaces, hiring your jobs, retail, creating wealth. Too often black folks have not been able to create wealth and there's been redlining and where we cannot get uh, housing and so forth to create the wealth. So that's all of these kinds of things you want to do with this project. That's phenomenal. Damien, why co-ops? Why, why do you think co-ops will help solve these community problems? Well, I mean, at first I want to push back a little bit on the idea that it, it only solves community problems. And if, if they're not community problems, then there are, uh, there's the implication that there's not a need for co-ops. Cooperatives are part of this, this, this solidarity economy that seeks to identify and challenge this racist, capitalist, imperialist enterprise that has exploited black people and marginalized people and working class people throughout the world over for as long as we all have been alive. And that time is coming to a reckoning, I think we see, um, unfortunately, through this COVID-19 crisis as we're beginning to experience just how vulnerable we are. 
Um, now, let's be clear, there are lots of capitalists that are part of the team. There is a substantial amount of financing, as you mentioned, that will be necessary. Those will have to be capitalist dollars. But it, I think the verdict is clear, and it's, it's, it's seen quite um, jarringly through the climate catastrophe. Capitalism is so great, it's going to end humanity. <laughs> so cooperatives give us an opportunity to imagine a world where we're less individualistic, where we're, we're thinking in a collective mindset, which is, I think, the ultimate objective, and especially what's necessary at times like now, especially necessary in communities like ours. We're in the Crenshaw District, which is the center of Black Los Angeles. It's an economically diverse district, ironically. It's got the most affluent black community in the United States. The median household income for a family of four are around 90000 but it's also got abject poverty. That's a consequence of historic redlining where uh, mixed-income black communities, unlike any other race, have lived in close proximity with one another. So how do we use this collective energy? We've got a lot of professionals that, are, that live within this community, but we have also a lot of people who are suffering to build collective wealth, not individual wealth, but collective community wealth, and share in the decision-making. One of the key elements of downtown Crenshaw Rising is that we have membership, and we had our whole conversation. We said $5. Why so little? We want people who are houseless to be in the same conversations uh, that live in the Crenshaw community as people who are CEOs and doctors and lawyers. We want renters and landowners, merchants and property owners, nonprofit uh, faith institutions, everyone who holds this community down, which we broadly define as community, the black community of Los Angeles, involved and integrated in this conversation and at a table talking about our collective emancipation, our collective improvement. Got it. Got it. And you've just mentioned what I call the five pandemics that we're going through right now. That's racism. George Floyd uncovered that, showed it, and made it visible. And I think because of COVID-19, people were at home. That's the second one, and they could see it. White folks could see it, which it had not before. Then you talked about climate change is the third pandemic we're going through. And the other one is the economy, brought the negative economy brought on by COVID and climate change and the fires, particularly out here in the West Coast, California, California. Um, um, Washington State, Oregon. And the fifth one is stupidity. And I think that stupidity is the one that keeps us from solving the other four. Uh, and that's been shown high, huge, particularly what happened January 6th at the Capitol and the lies and everything that goes on and white um, supremacy and all that white nationalism stuff that really keeps us down. So you've just let all of those kinds of things that have kept us down, black folks, you are addressing in this billion dollar deal. Okay. Um, where are you now uh, in sort of getting this started? Where, 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 where is this project now? Damien. Well, I think there's a couple of pieces, both where are we now and then how did we get here? And I'm going to try and very briefly talk about how we got here. Um, this is not in so many respects a new creation where um, a lot of talented and, and committed people just simply came together. We were operating in coalition in so many different spaces well before now, um, even going back to the uprising of 1992. 
um, where uh, community-based organizations started envisioning. This is a time when people did not want to invest in what are now rapidly gentrifying urban communities, where a strategy for community ownership as a means for community revitalization was being advanced. And, uh, community land trust and uh, preferred shares for, for workers. These are conversations that have been taking place in the Crenshaw community um, almost as long as I've been alive and probably longer than I've been alive going back to the, you know, the sixties movement and many of the black power radicals and those that have advanced thinking about self-determination and cooperative economics in America are live and have institutions within the Crenshaw district. Right. So this, I think in so many respects, has been the culmination. It provided an opportunity for us to bring it all together, focus in, um, and dedicate us to something that is big and monumental, but necessary. Right. This is the most iconic and significant commercial asset in all of black Los Angeles at the intersection of Crenshaw and King Boulevard, Martin Luther King Boulevard. And so where we are is bringing together that 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 talent, that thought energy, that community activism, that um, technical expertise to continue to craft a community driven vision for this amazing 43 acre site, just a little over 40 acres. <clears throat> while at the same time engage in the organizing, um, the education, to getting people to understand the formal terminology right now. I like to say a lot of people are operating in cooperative businesses right now and they don't know it. <laughs> Let's get them to understand that and understand these principles and get a little bit more integrated into the broader cooperative network. Um, a lot of people are engaging in collectivism and, and you hear it in the term Black Wall Street. I have issues with that. You know, Wall Street was never good to black people. Uh, but nonetheless, we, we begin with where people are Right, people have been advancing that desire to have that collective economy, right? And so let's talk about what that really means and how that can really translate into economic empowerment for black people, right? So that education, that organizing process is critical. And then on the just the technical end, right? Um, we have engaged some of the largest and most acclaimed real estate architecture legal firms in the world to help us as we craft this community vision in putting forth a bid to acquire the mall. Um, I remember Nikki and I, we put in that bid that day. We had to press send. I'm like, Nick, we just put in a $100 million bid for a mall. <laughs> this was not on the 2020 plan. <laughs> but I love it. <laughs> did did you write the check, it. Damien? Did you write the check, $100 million for it? Well, you know, I had I had to hold off on it because I was going to come to you, Vernon, to get uh, half of it. <laughs> I was coming well, to you. I'm going to go to Nikki. I'm going to go to Nikki. Okay, come on. <laughs> but so, so we had so, submitted a bid. The bid was not it was not taken seriously, despite the fact it was backed by the second largest capital raise firm on the planet. Had multiple billionaires saying, "I want to invest in this project. It's the hottest thing we got going." Uh, they gave it to another team. That team fell out. Uh, that their bid was canceled, and so. We're now trying to figure out what the next steps are, because as they fell out, as their contract was canceled, they filed a suit. And so we don't know when it's going to be back on the market, but we got to be ready when it, gonna, when, it go, when it gets back on the market to acquire. So Can I, I add got, something here? I'm sorry, Vernon. I oh, feel like I have another go question. Ahead. Go ahead, Nikki. <laughs> but David so casually said, and that bid fell out. Like, the bid fell out because of community action. You know, when, when the sale was first announced, something like 300 and, I don't know, almost 400 people showed up on that first Zoom call and have showed up consistently to our town hall Zooms, you know, every couple of weeks since then and executed on this really incredible strategic plan to stop predatory developers from taking this asset out of our hands. And that has meant 
the two or three New York developers who came forward on this have walked because we have organized, like, and organized and organized and organized. We had 12,000 people signing our petitions that were going to both buyers and sellers. We had 1,200 people, 1,700 people, sign up to become members of downtown Crenshaw. We have two to 300 people that show up at our regular town hall meetings. We've got a core group of 60-plus community members and organizers that are creating actions at the mall in front of the offices of these developers who are, you know, doing mutual aid in our community, canvassing, knocking on doors, you know, human billboards outside of the mall. There has been just an incredible surge of grassroots organizing in order to say again and again and again that we will not let this this real, like, cornerstone of our community fall into the hands of these predatory developers. And it's been incredible to watch and it's been incredible to be a part of. And I know and believe that we will continue this work no matter how many times it takes. <laughs> okay. What does it take? If I want to become a member of downtown Crenshaw, what would I need to do? Well, right now, if you're in the city of L.A. and we're, we're still talking about exactly what that means, especially in the Crenshaw district, you can become a full-loading member and you go to downtowncrenshaw.com. Um, and you can become a member. But we also want solidarity members. We want the the amazing experience, stories, knowledge, expressions, um, and connections that come from this broader cooperative network. We know that this project, simply by its scale, is inspiring those throughout the country. It is changing the debate about how development should be in traditionally marginalized, underrepresented, undercapitalized, exploited communities like Crenshaw. And we want to be in coalition. We, we're looking forward to, you know, being part of the Federation and so many others as we seek those solidarity members. So you just got to put five on it. If you want to get more, please come to downtowncrenshaw.com. Okay, everybody, we're going to take our first break. It's already come up. I told him this goes by really quickly when we are having fun, and I'm having fun talking to Damien and Nikki this morning. We're going to take our first break. And then uh, we, we talked a lot about the, the project. We want to get more into what specifics they are doing to make this a reality. We'll be right back. Please don't touch that dial. Your news talk station. Welcome back, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks. The program is Everything Cooperative. Information is power. And we have Damian Goodman and Nikki Oku on the line with us this morning from Los Angeles. And they are talking about downtown Crenshaw. They're talking about a property that's 43 acres. That's approximately 43 football fields, to give you an idea of how big it is, in Los Angeles. It cost $100,000. They told us the first segment to buy this property, $100 million. I'll get these zeros straight. And they figure it's going to take. Small difference there. Uh, big, okay, $100,000. Small difference. $100,000 is my area, okay? $100 million to buy it. And this property was, uh, Damien, was it built in this mall in 1940s? It's it's art, one of the- art Deco, beautiful buildings. Yeah. 
Well, you've got you've got several. I mean, the mall has been both the the source of hope and frustrations for uh, the Crenshaw community since it's been, it's been majority black in the 1960s. After the Watts Rebellion, was the white flight, and with it went capital, obviously. Um, which I'm sure you've talked about that. We all know about that. Um, mm-hmm. And the original structure, though, when this was. And those covenants still, um, if people look at their deeds, they'll see them. When this is a white community, the original structure was one of the first indoor shopping centers in America. And so there are two historic structures. There are collectively about 500,000 of the existing 870,000 square feet on the site. And then there have been multiple um, renovations since then. Um, and so, but the two sites, these two amazing art deco structures, one was a May company and the other was a Broadway. Um, the and And they remain standing in, in very iconic reaching into the sky and they're surrounded by unfortunately right now a lot of asphalt and uh, a huge uh, concourse that uh, you know has got some issues is leaking and all types of, of challenges um, but it's a huge site you know it's not mostly built up right now and it's at the foot of what will be a transit station will be opening this year so you have a train station underground in D.C. is Metro. So you're going to have a Metro station that stops right there at this corner of Crenshaw and Martin Luther King Boulevard uh, in front of this Art Deco. Art Deco is beautiful concrete buildings in the 40s and so forth. But they're still there, and there's probably a lot of um, deferred maintenance uh, in those buildings, and that's why it's going to cost maybe another 900 million dollars to renovate this space depending on what you want to put on this 43 football fields okay so i got a sense of the hugeness of this um tell me what are some of the kinds of businesses or entities you're wanting to put on these 43 acres and some of these buildings are historic so you can't tear them down you don't want to they're so beautiful but what are some of the kinds of things you have in mind of putting there nikki nikki go ahead yeah, we we had a couple of community visioning sessions, and it's something that we were we were getting into right around the time that we also got very activated around sort of the um, sort of the actions that needed to be done to stop the the sale of the mall. But within those visioning exercises, I will say that you know the neighborhood. So in South Central is huge; it's everything south of the ten freeway or Mason Dixon line out here, right? And it's interesting that, you know, though I grew up in that, that exact area, it's very unaffordable to me and my husband now. And so we've had to move further south and further east, still in South Central, but a little bit away. However, if I want to take my children to go to the movies, that is the only movie theater in South Central is at that mall. It used to be a Magic Johnson movie theater. But uh, if I want to, you know, and there's really like not very much green space in our neighborhood. So a lot of folks were saying, look, we want things like community gardens, open green space, performing space. You know, the Crenshaw District was really well known as like a Harlem West, right, a center for jazz and culture. And, and so they want open spaces for sort of that music and convening. We definitely want more retail, but we want retail that is owned by us and operated by us and employs us and creates wealth in our community, right? So we're talking about worker-owned businesses there, like restaurants and grocery stores. We always need more grocery stores. There's space probably here for two. In addition to that, we need um, we need more space to run other types of businesses, right? So lots of folks were saying, you know, we work in the movie industry or the film industry, that we're driving all the way to Hollywood to do our work. 
and we need to uh, we need to have resources to do that sort of thing here, right? So sound stages, and there's space in this for a potentially a back lot. Uh, we have talked about, you know, of course, housing, right? That is one of the huge demands, right? Folks want to make sure that we have housing here that is affordable to us, that will maintain affordability over time for our community. Damien, did I leave anything out in all of that? Oh, there's that and a bag of chips. I mean, it's everything. Um, the thing that I think is most important to kind of think of this, Vernon, is that it, at 43 acres, it's a lot of space to do a lot of projects. When it was the previously entitled project, um, went to city council. Um, it was the largest project approved by the city of Los Angeles, the second largest metropolitan area in America uh, in quite some time. And so even, you know, and, and we always do this, we want to create a pipeline of cooperative businesses that are ready to move in the mall at a certain time. But even if a business is not necessarily worker owner, consumer owner, worker and consumer owned cooperative, we want to see these community wealth building principles Implemented. We want to see that these are good jobs. We want to see the grocery stores are actually serving, on um, you know, to the greatest extent possible, healthy, organic foods. And there are several partners that we've brought along the way. And I think the other thing is that is is to, is to recognize. You know, I talked about. And we actually call it the tale of two Crenshaws, but it's the it's the economic diversity that exists within the Crenshaw community. Yeah, there are people that live that that, that uh, are in the Hollywood industry that drive to their businesses and create tax creation and job opportunities far away from Crenshaw. There are just generally executives that live in this community who go to Marina Del Rey and uh, Hollywood and downtown and, uh, and Beverly Hills and even just Culver City, which is down the hill the other way. We, we know that there is a nexus, right? There are a nexus of businesses that would love to congregate in what could be, you know, a, a black hub, a black cultural hub, but also a black commerce hub, one that also serves the immediate needs of this community, the educational needs, the healthcare needs, and is forward thinking and looking toward what economy, what the 21st century economy is, where are the growth industries, right? How do we integrate into a, a, a changing environment where the skill sets will need to be altered? I mean, the, the goal, if I will, just to close with this, if you want to understand my, my personal motivation when it comes to enterprises within the mall, I'm looking more at the people who have the records or don't have records and simply have not been given the economic opportunity. They're living in well, the well, well, I'm sorry. When you say records, you're talking about in previously incarcerated people? Formerly records, Those records. Okay. Right. Go ahead. All right. That have the records or, or simply for some reason have been denied economic opportunity, right? who make up a, a significant portion of those that are in the rental community to the immediate west of the mall known as Baldwin Village, also known as a jungle, um, where the median household income for a family of four does not exceed 25000 I said a family of four living on 25000 per year. My goal, if you want to understand my motivation, is to see that we're bringing in industry, we're having businesses operate, with that person's, those persons can become stable. And if we can bring together the amazing talent, experience, and entrepreneurial spirit, and knowledge, right, about that, about how to really uh, lead to some stability in our community, you know, you can put that on the tombstone. I'll be happy. I'll be happy. Well, your tombstone is about 100 years from now, so you'll be able to see a whole bunch <laughs> between now and then. So I'm trying to get my arms around this number you just said to me, $25,000. Per a family of four in Los Angeles, that's like they poll. 
they working poor, and maybe that might be two jobs. So William Barber and the Poor People's Campaign, this is a group of people that he's been talking about, $25,000 a year, and there's about 2000 that's 12 bucks an hour for if it's one person working and 6 bucks an hour if it's two people working or 6 or 7 bucks an hour. So, yeah. And, and understand, right? This is why it's this is literally why when people are forced out, they've got to move 60 miles away from this area, right? They're holding on to these rent control departments or rent stabilized, not formal rent control, but rent stabilized departments. This is all they can afford. They're crowding, right? And these are apartments that I'm not exaggerating. Ten years ago, you get a two bedroom for nine hundred bucks. Now they're going for twenty one hundred dollars, right? I mean, so yeah. we're literally fighting for there to be black people in Los Angeles' future, right? And, and they are poor, poor, so poor they can't afford the R, right? But it, 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 but here's the crazy part, right? Even with the most affluent black community in the United States, even with the stable middle class that makes up some of the, the homeownership uh, that is Lemur Park, overall for this community within a two-mile radius, the median household income for a family of four is less than 42000 right? So we're talking about massive challenges. We got to stop there. You got two groups of people. I got that. And 25000 or 90000 is the two groups of people. When we come back from our second break, if you don't know the, how many people are in those two categories, how many black people are in the 25K, how many black people is in the 90K to give you an average of 42K, I'd appreciate that. And then we're going to talk more about how you finance this $1 billion. How do you, how do you get that kind of money together? We'll be right back. News Talk Station. Welcome back, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks, and the program is Everything Cooperative. We are talking to Nikki Oku and Damien Goodman about the Crenshaw, the 43 football field development in the middle of Los Angeles, Los Angeles, and one of the largest developments in California, but I'd also say is one of the largest development in the United States. It is the largest development in the United States where black folks are involved and may take the leadership role in it, and that's what they're trying to do. But we have a, a guest right now, Mr. John Hoseclaw, who's the Senior Vice President at the National Cooperative Bank. Good morning, John. Good morning, Vernon. Good morning, uh, Nikki and Damien. How are you doing today? So good to hear you, John. Thank you. So John's a good brother that works for the National Co-op Bank. John, tell us how you all might be involved in this project in some way, the bank. Well, I, I'm going I'm to say this first and foremost. I mean, obviously, we're big fans of the show um, as sponsors. And, and as someone who is a self-confessed uh, cooperative and community economic development nerd, um, the things that Nikki and Damien are saying this morning are really uh, music to my, not ears, but to my soul in regards to what they're trying to do out in the Crenshaw neighborhood. You know, I applaud you for the leadership and, and the amount of energy that you're putting into this. But it, but it really boils down to me that, that this is basically comprehensive 
cooperative and community development uh, uh, work that they're doing. And so, you know, as many people know, the National Cooperative Bank does have an uncommon mandate to work at low and moderate income communities or whatnot. Um, and it's something that it's, we're very serious about, and we have it's become a large part of the DNA of the organization. And the bulk of my work, you know, is in community development finance. And I'll say this is that, you know, we've, we've, we've been in talks with Nikki and Damien in hopes of somehow um, having an opportunity to, to work on some components of this, be it the cooperative piece or or being a part of, you know, in a perfect world of, of uh, a multi-stack deal. Um, you know, we got some more work to do internally to see how we fit into the entire project, but it's something that we're tracking and something that is it's, it's on my, my radar screen. I know we've had some, a couple calls and we've exchanged some information, but again, it's just an example of the kind of things that we want to work on as an organization. We can't always do every deal. I mean, we are a bank, but at the same time, to be able to give them consideration is something that I take personally and whatnot. So I just want to applaud you, Vernon, for having Nikki and, and, and Damien on and for you coming on and telling the story. I would definitely ask Pat for the <laughs> the podcast of this so I can distribute it accordingly. So we'll stay in touch. But um, anybody have a question, I just wanted to applaud and, and make the statement about um, what all everything that you're doing um, as well. Also, too, lastly, you know, I am the, the uh, board chair of the National CDFI Coalition. And so if I can leverage any context in, 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 in the coalition as well to help the project uh, moving forward, um, please feel free to, to reach out to me and, and let's just keep the conversations going, Nikki and Damien. Just real quickly, you just mentioned Pat Thornton, who is the producer of the radio show, and she will get this out to people. Anybody wants it, you can, in about a week, you can go on everything.coop and listen to this show again or send it out to people. We would like to get it out. This is exciting, exciting stuff. Damien or Nikki, you have any questions for John? No, I just appreciate it, John, your openness, willingness, and uh, this is solidarity in trying to help us figure out this this, this beast um, and having your support and your leadership on so many fronts and moving it through National Cooperative Bank and having conversations about uh, other ways in which you might be helpful. I, you know, this is a major endeavor undertaking, and having mission-aligned, value-aligned partners will make everything that we're doing here, and I know the community this is actually, I think, the first time we've actually revealed any potential financial partner in the mall. So, Vernon, you got the, you got the scoop. We're really very <laughs> coy, very, very coy. I know when this gets out, the community will be elated to know uh, that both Nash Cooperative Bank uh, and you, you specifically, John, are looking at it. Well, and definitely, Damien and, and, and Nikki, and again, I applaud you both for your leadership. I was so bummed yesterday that I missed uh, – 40 acres in a mall, my schedule would not allow me to attend that. So I hope that there's some, <laughs> there's a, there's a recording of that as well, but in, in you were the uh, immortal Ed Whitfield, um, who is just a legend mm-hmm. in uh, the space and, and whatnot to see that uh, panel of uh, folks, which was a powerhouse. And, and I had a, a meeting and, uh, and whatnot. So I missed it. So thank you, Vernon, for giving me this opportunity. Uh, Vernon always has a scoop on anything cooperative, trust me. But um, with that said, uh, thank you for the opportunity. And, and, and Nikki and Damien, we'll be, uh, we'll be talking really soon. Well, I have one question uh, for you, John, before you hang up. You're from, you're from North Carolina, so is Ed Whitfield, and y'all have a lot yes. going on at Black Folk in North Carolina. So I don't know why you uh, just don't write the billion-dollar check. At least you can do the $100 million check there so they can well, own it. As, as, as was once said in a Spike Lee movie, uh, Vernon, I am 30 cents away from a quarter, so I may not be the person <laughs> to uh, <laughs> I may, I may not be the person to write that check, uh, and I don't know if I can go to my uh, 
my uh, my my senior leadership and, and say the same. <laughs> so I, I, I I'll say, listen, I, and I'm going to say this, and this is uh, John speaking here. We're, we're we're in this moment right now, and um, right. you know we're seeing all of this. Uh, more and more uh, interest being given to community development financial institutions and minority deposit institutions. I had a conversation not too long ago, and somebody will get tired of hearing me say this story one day, but not too long ago with the second oldest black bank in the country, which basically said to me that they can no longer take deposits because they've received Mm. something in the course of months. And it's not because the deposits aren't uh, needed. It's because they have so much liquidity now that they have to get it on the street. Now, it's a good problem to have, but what you don't want to have is your regulator coming in, dinging you for having all that liquidity. And, and a lot of these minority deposit institutions don't have the technology platforms needed. You know, when you work for some of the larger banks, you come in and sit at your desk and there's already a call sheet. The credit's already been run. The prospects are already there for you. Well, Smaller minority deposit institutions and smaller CDFIs don't have that technology platform. And so I'm hoping with the the crush of, uh, in a good way, of money that's coming out of the U.S. Congress right now is that it's going to aid all of these financial institutions. And that, and that aid is going to translate into the downtown Crenshaws of the world. And, you know, I'm hoping that um, that's going to help. And, and again, this community... Is bigger than the Crenshaw Downtown Project. It's about the future mm-hmm. of, of its residents. It's about the future of the direction of this community. And, and, and if you are going in there and talking about the shared economy and worker cooperatives and, and consumer cooperatives and whatnot, I mean, again, it's it's a cooperative and community development, co- comprehensive community development. And again, something that is needed not just in Crenshaw but all across this country. So we, we got to ride this wave. We got to take advantage of these opportunities to, um, to reach and teach as many people as we can for the greater good of these communities. Reach and teach. Here's, here's what I'm hearing you say, John, and, and what Nikki and Damien have said earlier, and then we're going to get back to this particular project. But they're looking in trouble at, now. Re- I'm taking time away from re- Nikki no, and Damien. Now. Get re- <laughs> in retail, uh-huh. retail stores, housing, limited equity co-ops, food co-ops, perhaps studios that, that help with the uh, Hollywood uh, world, the sound studios or video studios, and all kinds of other retail kinds of stores, uh, maybe even some manufacturing. At 43 Acres, there's a lot you can do here. Huge, yeah. And so you, NCB, may not be able to do the billion-dollar check, or you personally may not, and I know I can't. So NCB maybe we do a piece of it. That oldest black bank that has a lot of liquidity. I heard the same thing mm-hmm. from the DC uh, credit union. They have a lot of liquidity now. A lot of lot more. They have a lot more cash than they have projects to put it into. This is going to create a lot of projects, and maybe you can help them, Nikki and Damien, put some of these other institutions together with maybe when you say. A billion dollars, that's nine zero, the one and nine zeros. Maybe somebody will only do a thousand of that, three of the zeros and a one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we can put this, put, uh, put this patchwork together, this puzzle together so they can come up with this billion dollars. And I know I got five dollars to become a member, okay, of the show. <laughs> well, I, I, I got I'm that. Gonna go, I'm going to go online and do that today. But, but, but what it means, and I'm going to say this, so I don't want to steal any time away from Nikki and, and Damien, is that again, the comprehensive nature of this is going to be, 
you know, there can be city money, there can be county money, there mm-hmm. can be philanthropic mm-hmm. dollars, there can be financial institutions, there can be uh, community development financial institutions. One of the largest uh, black banks in the country now is a, is a, is a consortium between Citibank and in uh in DC and, and there you go in the bank in, 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 in California. And so again it's you know, while people say it takes a village to raise a child, in many cases it, it takes a financial village to bring a package like this to fruition. And so if you can't, you know, do every part of it, you have to find the part that is, you know, most palatable to you, you know, to be a part of some of these multi stack deals, using tax credits, using grants, using funds. And so with Nikki and Damien at the helm, I feel like, you know, and with the community backing them, I feel like, you know, they have the expertise to see all of this, you know, and, and, and make all of this come together. And what's most important for us and for us to do is for us to leverage all of these relationships that we have to get them in front of them so they can tell the story. You know, it's not making a pitch. It's about telling the story. And so that's what we have to do from this point forward um, to make this whole thing come to life and, and so that it can continue to move forward and prosper. So that that's my, John, my, my great grandfather was a, was a preacher. So I, I'll get off my, my um, <laughs> stump here in a second. Preach, preach, bro. John, thank you so much. I, I got, we need a financial village to raise the 40 acres and the mall. We need, we need a financial village and NCB will be a part of that. I'm hopeful and we'll see how it goes and you can help Damien and Nikki get in front of the rest of the village folk so we can put this $1 billion together. This is where capitalism and cooperatism come together. You need both. You need both for all of the reasons. John, thanks for Indeed. taking out the time. Thank you so much. Thank you. Stay well. Bye. Okay. So I, I got that you can go to Crenshaw Rising. DowntownCrenshaw.com. Okay. And, and I did go there, DowntownCrenshaw.com. And uh, it says sign a petition, the vision, joint to effort, a survey. You can get involved by going to downtown Crenshaw, C-R-E-N-S-H-A-W dot com, and get involved. And I, if you allow me to, I will become a member. Uh, do you have a place where I could make a donation? Uh, my my normal donation is somewhere between 100 and $500. is not a whole lot to this billion-dollar thing. It's a one and two zeros, you need a one and nine zeros, but I assume every piece will help. So is there a place no, on we there? Oh, yeah. appreciate it. Yeah. So when you go ahead and sign up for membership, you can make a contribution of any size. Uh, and that is a, a charitable contribution. Our fiscal sponsors with the working world and the seed commons. And um, we really encourage people to do monthly contributions as well. So if a small monthly contribution spread out over time works for you, we'd appreciate that as well. We are also at this time accepting sort of larger grant and foundation dollars, right, to really fund the work that it takes on the ground to continue education and cooperative development in our community and the staff that we need to make this organization sustainable over the long haul while we work to bring in our capital partners on the project. Um, I'd like to continue on that thread, but I'll leave it to your question. (laughs) No, so I just want to repeat, go to downtown... Crenshaw.com, and on the right-hand side, there's a donate button in green. Click on that donate button. You can donate $5, $25, $50, You can do it monthly, one time, or monthly. And you can also, there's an other button. And so this young brother and young sister, at least to me, young folk are out there doing it. 
And even if you put $5 on, it will help them to know that we are supporting them uh, throughout throughout the U.S., not only in Crenshaw and Black L.A., but throughout the U.S. Go to downtowncrenshaw.com and donate. Uh, they would appreciate it and help them to get started, not only with the money. It could be small amounts of money, and that's how we've made it in the past, whether it's creating a church or creating historically black colleges. We come together and we, we share what little we have. It may be crumbs, but we can put them together and come up with a loaf of bread. We'll be right back. Please don't touch that down. Your news talk station. Information is power. This is Vernon, Vernon Oaks. Everything Co-op is the program. We have Damien Goodman uh, uh, and Nikki Oku, two young brother and sister. They young to me. I'm at 73. They look like they're in their 30s. That's on the line with us talking about a huge project. Damien, what what makes you think you can raise a billion dollars? I mean, why? What what gives you that kind of focus? Well, I mean, so there's a couple pieces, right? Because that, that's a that's a it's a question: how to be so audacious, right? One of the first things you learn, Vernon, when you actually start diving in, is that most developers actually don't have any money. <laughs> um, they use other people's money. They use financial partners, and some of which that uh, John just talked about. Um, those are rarely used, but they they there's a big world out there of capital that is used, and, and typically the developer contribution at most is 3% in some of these deals. But I think in so many respects, right, and this is, is, is the difference and why I think we've inspired so many more, and people basically said it. There are those who have great ideas, good people, and then there are those who, you know, take those ideas and, and put them into implementation, Right. And we have had this concept, this idea, this value of self-determination exists within our community for a very long time. We have had these real estate professionals that have operated within our community for a very long time. We have had access to uh, those that had financial acumen, that had access to capital, that had access to um, additional professors, professionals that help, you know, be able to say, okay, that's the community vision. How do we make it real? And what we've been able to do here is to bring them to the same table, right? Um, one of the one of the development partners we have says that we're combining community action with community development, right? And so the folk who are more inclined and involved to, to be that resistance that pushed out live work and pushed out CIM before, um, they they are at the same table with those who have the conversations on multi billion dollar financial transactions, right? Collectively. Right, and and are willing to open their rolodex to talk to and know the mission aligned and value aligned partners, so you're not just out there in the wind to be in dialogue with us, and 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 it's inspired so many. We've gotten support from from those that are in the more responsible investing world, those who want to see their things go toward people, planet, not just profits, but profits, of course, but people and planet first, and they're at the table, and you know, Vernon, with this show. And with John and so many others, this is an example of people who really just want to wrap their arms around this project because they've been able to see this community come together um, and us put together a dream team of development professionals to really make this real. Ed Whitfield was dropped. Clark Arrington was dropped. There's so many amazing folk 
that have been doing this longer than Nick or I have been alive that have said, we're not about just creating a mall here. This is about creating a vision for what community development can look like in the future. It is transformative in nature. It is what's necessary for communities like ours. It is what's necessary really for the direction of the world. Wow. Listen, while you were talking in, in the break, I went online at downtowncrenshaw.com. I hit the donate button. I donated $100. It was real easy. You got that working well. Um, Thank you, brother. And I'd encourage everybody out there listening and call your friends. I try to hook it up. I'll, we'll, we'll tweet this out. We will put it on Facebook and Instagram to get as many people as we can to support you guys. I really like what you're doing. I like what you're wanting to do and the reasons that you're doing it. Uh, and so want to support you any way you can. And what you were talking about, it's, you need capitalists. You need the capital in order to do it. I mean, that's a billion dollars. And we have not, a black in, a, in our black community, have not been able to, to raise that kind of money. You can't come to me or John or you don't have it or your parents don't have it. Because in the black community, average wealth for a family is $17,000. Where the average wealth in a white family is $171,000. So we, don't, we haven't been able to create that wealth. As soon as we get it, like on Black Wall Street, they will come and blow it up or take it away. Um, but to read what you were talking about, which I really want to focus on, is that co-ops are concerned about people first, planet second, and profit third. Where capitalistic businesses, they have three Ps, too, that they're concerned with. We're concerned with people, planet, and profit. They're concerned with profit, profit, and profit. <laughs> and therefore, that leads them to different types of decisions and greed and taking over and Nikki's talked about predatory lenders, uh, developers originally. And that's, they'll come in and take you, your mama, your daddy, and everybody else, and they don't care about the people. They don't care about the planet. They're only concerned about profit. Too often, that's what happens. Well, Vernon, so, I Nikki, want to make clear. Go ahead. This is go not ahead. charity. I mean, we are taking charitable donations, and we want, we want foundations to be part of the capital stack so that we can bring more community benefits. But this is something that will generate a level of profit. It's just who is it for? Is it for the people? It is so we can have a clean, green project and, and build a green grid that transition us to um, a, 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 a green economy, right? And, Nikki, I just want to get you in because, Vernon, the membership is both, first off, that, that those, those dollars are about building a base, building a network, organizing, right? And, and it goes toward outreach and things of that nature. But it also entitles you to become a, a, a purchaser of shares when that is made available, so that you can participate in that project and process. And Nikki's been running the community investment piece. You want to talk about it, Nikki? Well, Nikki, I want you to say that, but profit is extremely important. I don't, yeah, I got it. You must have the profit in order to sustain yourself. You have to have more money coming in and going out. That's number one in the MBA program. The question is, <laughs> is that your main reason for being in existence? And you've just said earlier, no, we're about people first, and then the planet second, and then profit. Profit is important. That's not the main thing. Nikki, I, want, I do want you to talk about this, and particularly as it relates to Grandma Mafia. Talk to us about that. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I guess our cooperative listeners would probably be interested in sort of what are some of, some of the structures that we have for community engagement and, and accountability. And so uh, out of those hundreds of people that participate in meetings, 
some of them have self-selected to join sort of a variety of, of committees, right? Uh, we've got our Community Investment Fund Committee, right, which is evaluating how people, how locals um, can invest in the mall and uh, also how we can accept sort of solidarity investments from outside of our immediate community. Um, we've got an action committee, which uh, is headed up by our grandma moms of Crenshaw. Um, they've been incredible in advocating for this work, you know, and and really getting, you know, getting out in front of uh, our politicians, our local elected officials, and letting them know that, you know, this is an effort that is deeply seated in our community over multiple generations, um, that we have a vested interest in, in protecting our elders and nurturing the next generation of youth. But to the community investment fund part, I think the grandma moms can also chime in because from very the very first meeting, I remember the very first meeting, somebody was like, $100 million for the mall, huh? Well, I got some equity in this little duplex I got. Can, where do I mail the check? And I was like, wow, we have community members who are like ready right now to invest their hard-earned dollars, like you mentioned, that there are not that many of into this project. That's how much they want this mall. It's not the mall, right? It's the 40 acres. It's our 40 acres. And um, yes. and to that end, we immediately said, don't mail a check-in, please. And I called Clark Erickson with the working world and said, how do we structure a direct public offering? <laughs> so that is really what our community investment uh, group has been working on, sort of evaluating, like, what do we want this fund to look like? How do we want it to, to operate and be governed? You know, who do we want to allow to invest? And and how do we waterfall the returns in a way that really uplifts our community and prioritizes the wealth of those who are risking the most, right? Like it's a big risk for, for a low-income black family in South L.A. to put a few thousand dollars into a project like this. So with that being said, you know, when we talk about financing, even, and you asked Amy, like, what makes you think you can raise this much money? Yes, I know that it's possible. I know that it's out there. We've had great conversations with social impact investors and foundations who pointed out to, to me even that the money that is circulating very much in their foundation has been generated by extracting it from communities just like ours. So it's like restitution and returning it to our communities, really. But what really made me believe that it was possible were folks like that, were these grandmas that were getting on calls and saying, where do I mail my check? They let me know that. Where do I mail my check? (laughs) Where do I mail my check? They're willing to put their hard-earned dollars on it because they wanted to make sure that there was a Crenshaw left for their grandchildren. So we only have a couple minutes left, and I just want to say this quickly. And I learned about co-ops and managing housing co-ops, and I found that a successful co-op, what you need is a quality governance, uh, good governance and good management in that order. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what you need before that is an engaged community and engaged members and you have that engagement and then it's how you get the governance now we don't have time we were out of time i really wanted to get to governance and how you're going to structure this and all of those kinds of things so we got to have you guys back on i've really enjoyed it which one of you want to say what what you want to leave people with go ahead madam chair (laughs) you know i would only say that this is and this is one of damien's quotes too is you know if not here then where and if not now then when this is a project that is going to make these types of communities possible across the country thank you it's now it is us we have to do it you have to do it i'm saying black community we have to come together and do this this project and projects all through the u.s 
uh, just very quickly, Anita Bonds is the chair of um, she's on the city council and she had a limited equity housing co-op committee come together and she said that limited equity co-op is the answer to gentrification long term Mm -hmm. forever Mm -hmm. get affordable housing in and a a house is what's the stability we talked about stability that stability of a family to stability of a community thank you guys we gotta have you back on everybody out there please live wonderfully this next week we'll see you next week live cooperatively Have a great week. Your news talk station.